Today we continue week uh, two of life in Babylon, and uh, last week we started this conversation about what does it mean uh, for us as believers, followers of Christ, to live in a world where culture, society actually is not in favor of the beliefs that we have, and looking at the faith that uh, the uh, Israelites, uh, the nation of Judah, displayed in the midst of the same exact thing, a culture and society that was not uh, pro their faith, not pro their values, their belief systems. And we've just been kind of going through this journey of just starting to ask the question, what does it mean to actually, for us to live in exile in a culture that's growing in hostility when it comes to faith? And so last week we just kind of started this conversation and kind of what is the response that a lot of believers have? And I showed you guys this graphic that we started the conversation is, are we supposed to affirm the culture? Or are we supposed to separate from the culture? And what I said last week is that both of those actions, both of those are left wanting for us. And in the middle is where we find what exile actually looks like as we look at some of the heroes of the faith. John Mark Comer wrote a book called uh, Live No Lives. And he said this, he said, we are what sociologists call a cognitive minority, meaning as followers of Jesus, our worldview and value system and practices and social norms are increasingly at sharp odds with those of our host culture. And so this sermon series is just built upon looking at the heroes of the faith and asking the question, what did they do in their time, which in their time, they, they had to navigate much greater difficulty than what we are having to navigate. But I believe that as we look at them and we look at how they lived, they can show us things that we need to value and how we can be called to live as a faithful people in the midst of uh, difficulty. Last week, we talked about surrender. And then if we want to experience revival like they did in the time of Josiah, Josiah, it requires us to be a people that are surrendered. And when we're surrendered to do the things that God asks us to do, then we can live out the potential realities of a revival, whether that's in our lifetime or in the next generation or the next generation. We're called to be a people that are surrendered and to live out the seeds of revival. So for this week, we're going to start a new conversation, a continuation in history from after uh, Josiah and his reign. But before we do that, I want to share with you my top three movies that I watched most when I was a kid, a middle schooler, and high schooler, because you'll see there's a connection with what we're going to be talking about today. And so the number one movie I watched the most growing up when I was a kid was this one, okay? This one. I mean, Rocky Four, right? I mean, all, I watched all the Rockies, but I, I kind of have to pick one out of the Rockies. And Rocky Four. I mean, it doesn't get any better. USA, Russia, Drago, right? Drago, death from above, right? I'll never forget this movie. I've watched it probably, I'm not kidding, 50 times. Um, it is an instant classic. Uh, movie number two that I watched growing up in high school, me and my best friend, man, we watched this movie a lot together, okay? Um, and the, the new ones, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. But I'm a classic, so like... Top Gun, just, it, it, it's, it's legit. The next one, third most watched movie, yes. Yes. You know this scene, right? What is this scene? What is this clip? Yes, you know it, right? Um, I don't know if you noticed, but in my top three most watched movies, Tom Cruise is in two out of the three. I don't know what that means, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, those are two, I think, his greatest movies. The rest of them, eh, okay, right? Um, but uh, 
You can't handle the truth. Have you ever read God's word and responded with, man, that's rough. I don't know if I can handle the truth. Um, sometimes the truth disorients you. Sometimes it disorients you. Sometimes you get to a point where you're like, what does that mean? And what are the implications of that? And to be honest with you, today, as we continue on the, the journey of understanding what Judah's going through, we're getting to a character named Jeremiah. Everybody say Jeremiah. Jeremiah, Jeremiah was one of the people that God used to bring truth that brought disorientation. Uh, what do we do when things aren't going well? What do we do when we ask the question, God, what are you doing? What is the plan? When you're disoriented, how do you respond as God's people? This is the impact that Jeremiah had on his listeners. As they listened, many of them were going, God, what are you doing? Many of them didn't believe Jeremiah. They completely cut him out, shut him out, didn't agree with what he was saying. But we're going we're to see as we go through the whole book of Jeremiah, and it's going to be a lot today, you guys. You guys ready to get after it this morning? Because we're going to go through a lot this morning. Here's what we got to understand. As difficult as Jeremiah's words were, they were directly from the Lord. How do we know that? Because Jeremiah chapter 1 says, the call of Jeremiah, God lays out the call to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 9 the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. And see, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow. That's difficult words. But lastly, to build and to, what's it say up there? To plant. Jeremiah was a prophet, he wasn't a politician. He was someone that was ready to bring the truth in the midst of great difficulty. Jeremiah, whether you realize it or not, probably outside of Jesus taking on the sins of the world, difficult call, would you agree? The next person that we kind of go, man, they had a difficult call on their life would be Job. I would argue Jeremiah's call, probably just as difficult as Job's because in, in, in Job's world, there was a lot of personal affliction that he had to go through. Jeremiah had a lot of personal affliction, but in the midst of personal affliction, watching a whole nation deteriorate to nothing. And if we look at the story of Jeremiah and the call that he had, the difficulty that he had, he preached the truth when people weren't listening. They didn't believe him. The majority of Jeremiah's news is actually bad news, and they didn't actually realize the devastation that was coming. The old adage of like, you know, it's a train wreck that you just can't look away from. This is Jeremiah. He's watching destruction come and there's nothing that he can do about it as he's telling the people what God wanted them to hear, but they don't listen. God brings judgment, but here's the hope in the midst of Jeremiah. That as God brings judgment to a nation that he loves and he cares about and has been so patient so patient, telling them over and over and over again, even in the midst of God's judgment, he also brings restoration. He also brings restoration. And we like to hear about restoration, don't we? But we don't like to hear about God's judgment. 
What does the whole book of Jeremiah actually look like? If you look at whole Jeremiah's ministry, this is it's broken up into about three different places, and we're going to be talking about a lot of history to start as we get into Jeremiah. And we've got some great words up here, some great names that if you are about ready to have a child, maybe you could consider some of these names that are up here. Josiah, like I talked about last week, was a name I tried to name my firstborn, but I got trumped by the wife, so it ended up being Noah. And so I never brought King Jehoiakim up, but that might be a, a child. I know that some of you are, no, okay, all right, no. Um, but we have three sections of Jeremiah's ministry. Pre-destruction, during the King Josiah, he started in the 13th reign of Josiah. And so this is the highlight of Jeremiah's ministry, to seeing revival take place in the midst of Judah. And it's a very short window in Jeremiah's ministry. Um, Jeremiah brings news as to what is actually coming in the midst of King Jehoiakim. King Nebuchadnezzar brings destruction. Daniel's deported in this group, the first group. There were three deportations to Babylon. When Babylon comes into Judah, they take the best and the brightest first. And Daniel's in this group. And we're going to start, start talking about Daniel next week in regards to how he lived faithfully in Babylon. Next deportation during King Jehoiachin. Son of Jehoiakim. This is the poor and the military are the only one that's really left um, after this deportation. And then we have the remnant, King Zedekiah, where the city walls are torn down, the temple is destroyed, and Jeremiah is left in Jerusalem describing the destruction that's actually taking place. Um, and this is just a little bit, this next slide shows you in regards to the chapters broken up. That's uh, a rough outline as to what's actually happening in the book of Jeremiah. The end where the city walls are destroyed. Jeremiah 52, it says, On the tenth day of the fifth month, in the nineteenth year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, commander of the imperial guard, who served the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem. And he set fire to the temple of the Lord, the royal palace, and all the houses of Jerusalem. And every important building he burned down, the whole Babylonian army, under the commander of the imperial guard, broke down all the walls around Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar, the commander of the guard, carried in exile some of the poorest people and those who remained in the city along with the rest of the craftsmen and all those who deserted to the king of Babylon. But Nebuchadnezzar left behind the rest of the poorest people of the land to work the vineyards and fields. And so this is Jeremiah seeing his nation, seeing his city burning and the burning of the temple. And for me, there has to be a tremendous amount of empathy that is extended to Jeremiah. If you remember in regards to the start of Jeremiah's ministry is at the, the peak of Josiah's reign. And we learned last week that what was one of the things that Josiah did with the temple? What did he do to the temple? He restored it, right? He rebuilt it. And so you can imagine Jeremiah in the midst of his ministry, in the midst of his lifetime, as he starts pr prophesying to Judah, seeing the temple restored, seeing the temple being rebuilt, and it being an amazing opportunity of revival to take place, and him seeing that. And at the end of his ministry, the thing that he had helped potentially rebuild with Josiah is left burning. Left burning. And it reminds me the reality of Jeremiah. Many of you guys know that he is known as the, the weeping prophet. Why? Well, look at what he's endured. Look at what he's experienced. This is a sidebar for us to, to just 
wrestle with as we watch things go backwards and what we hope and long for within maybe our marriage, within our community, within our city, within our nation, how do we respond? I will tell you this. I often see a lot of anger from people. How does Jeremiah respond? He weeps. He weeps over the nation. He weeps over the city. He weeps over the people because of the sin and devastation that has caused the destruction and judgment that has come. We gotta ask ourselves, do we spend more time being angry or do we spend more time weeping and praying as Jeremiah did? What do we do when things are not going well? What is the plan? What do we do when we are disoriented with the truth? Do you get a sense of what God's people are doing as they're wrestling with the reality of the situation? Psalm 137, four says this, how can we sing the songs of the Lord while we're in a foreign, what's it say, in a foreign land? You can hear the heartbreak as they're being sent to Babylon. How can we sing? In one of the most difficult times, God offers direction and encouragement that's rooted in hope. God offers direction and hope during judgment, and it's rooted in hope. Where is that? How do we worship? How do we live? Jeremiah 29 gives us the hope, gives us the direction, gives us the plan. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, Jeremiah says to all those I carried in exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses, settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they may too have sons and daughters. Increase in number, do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will Prosper, And so Jeremiah gives hope and direction to the people in the midst of being sent into Babylon, into exile. But do you notice the language, how different it is from Jeremiah chapter 1, 52? In the midst of this, there's hope. There's direction. There's a clarity as to what it is that they're actually supposed to live. Last week, we talked about surrender as an exile. And that is most definitely a part of the equation. But here's the next part of living in exile. What does God want us to do in the midst of a culture that becomes more and more negative towards what we believe and what we live out? The next thing is you have to live sent. Everybody say live sent this morning. Live sent. Jesus, or God sends them out into Babylon and he says it's your job to actually live sent. And he maps out some very key things that what that actually means in Jeremiah chapter 29. The first one is this. He says, establish roots. Find homes and settle down into Babylon. Establish roots. Move into the community. Build houses. Live out your faith because you're going to be here for a while. You're longing to go back home. There's nothing wrong with that longing. And we're going to learn more about Daniel in regards to how he continued to long to go back to Jerusalem and even continued to live out specific things as to what that longing looked like as he prayed towards Jerusalem three times a day. But God says, as much as you long there, you gotta live there. And it's time to establish roots. Not only that, but he says to multiply. And and multiply, meaning find people to wed, like marry, have sons, have daughters, multiply. And I believe there's a piece of this that's that's all in regards to, to living life 
physically, but I would argue not only that, but there's a spiritual component to this as well, is learning to continue to live out your faith faithfully in the midst of a culture that doesn't agree with your faith. Like multiply, continue to show your sons and your daughters what it means to follow God. And then this, pray for Babylon. Pray for the people you want to reach. Pray for the evil people who live out in Babylon. Pray. Seek the welfare of the city. People that you agree with, people you don't agree with. Seek for the prosperity of the city. And so pray for Babylon, but also bless Babylon. Why do we do Oktoberfest? Why? Because it is an opportunity for us to bless the city and seek the welfare of the city. Why do we invest in Meridian Elementary? Why? Because we're called to bless the city, to seek the welfare of the city. Why do we have ministry partners like the Meridian Food Bank and the Boise Rescue Mission? Why? Because we're called to bless the city, the welfare of the city. And we've always asked this question for us as a church in the midst of whatever the culture is going, whatever's going on in the culture, we've always asked this question. You've heard me say this before. If real life ministries ceased to exist today, would the city even care? And I can tell you right now, they would. Because I meet with the mayor every single year and every single year they go, you are such a blessing. Thank you. Thank you for what you do. We have city council members every single year. Thank you for being a blessing. We have legislatures every single year. Thank you for doing what you do in the city of Meridian. Here's the question I want to ask you is we do these things as a church, as a whole body. Here's the next question for you as a follower of Jesus, a follower of God. If you left your neighborhood, would your neighborhood care? Do you seek the prosperity of your neighborhood? Yes, even that HOA board member that you can't stand. Do you seek the prosperity of your neighborhood? Would your neighbors even care? if you put a for sale sign on your yard. God's people, in the midst of whatever's going on, are called to move into the city, establish roots, multiply, pray for Babylon, bless Babylon, bless the people, even those that curse you. This is Jeremiah, giving call and direction to God's people in the midst of great difficulty. And I want you just to think about that. These people that have been captured and then sent off to a foreign land. Jeremiah is telling them, seek the prosperity of the city. Be a blessing. Pray. Bless. Jeremiah. The more I read Jeremiah the more I appreciate Jeremiah. Because Jeremiah lives out his calling of living sent, even in the midst of great difficulty. If there's anything that we can learn from Jeremiah, it's this, is even during difficulty, 
You are called to live a sent life. Even in the midst of difficulty, you are called to live a sent life. And we've got to reflect and ask ourselves that question. What does that mean? Am I actually doing the things that Jeremiah called God's people to actually do? I just want to touch on this really quickly because it's actually a big thing that's coming. Do you know what's coming? Did you say Christmas? Yeah, absolutely Christmas is coming. Right before Christmas, what's coming? Thanksgiving, which is the month of, which means what's coming? Elections. Ah. I want you to know, as, as a pastor, pastors, we loathe this time of year. Like, because from our vantage point, from my vantage point, we as believers oftentimes completely miss the target as to what we should be doing. Vote. Vote. We need to vote. However, let me ask the question. Are you living sent in the midst of election season? This year and the big one next year. I think it's next year, right? Yeah. What does that mean? Settle in the community. Multiply. Pray. Bless. It's difficult, Pastor. Yes, it is. It's going to probably get worse before it gets better. The question we got to ask ourselves is, are we willing to live out our calling of living in the community but not becoming the community? Salt and light in our community. Even if they hang a flag that you don't agree with. Whatever that flag is. Are you willing to be salt and light? Are you willing to pray? Are you willing to bless? Even during difficulty, you are called to live a sent life. And you need to know that eventually, restoration is coming. Restoration is coming. For us, it's a new heavens and a new earth. For us, it's the kingdom of God being restored in its proper dwelling place all across God's planet Earth. But for them... It was different. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10. It says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you bring me with all, when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back from captivity, Jeremiah says from the Lord. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. And so it's through difficulty that there comes restoration. It's through difficulty that there comes restoration, but all of us have to be willing to go through 
the difficulty in order to get to restoration. And so I want to ask you this morning, as you begin the journey of reflecting and saying, okay, where am I at in this journey? Is Are you willing to go through the difficulty? Are you willing to live a set life knowing that eventually God's going to make all things new? He's going to bring all things right. And for the people of Judah, the people of Israel, God's saying, you're going to be here for 70 years. And I'm going to bring you back. That's the hope you hold on to. I'm going to bring you back. But you've got to go through this season. You've got to go through this season. And for us, we will go through seasons that are difficult. We will. But it's through the difficulty that restoration comes. And for some of you this morning, you have yet to decide that Jesus is Lord of your life. You want restoration, but you're not willing to go through difficulty. What does that mean? It means surrender. It means that Jesus is Lord over your life. Every aspect. And it requires you to believe. It means to confess with your mouth that he is Lord. It means to repent, to turn from your self-ruled life to a Jesus-ruled life. And it means to be baptized into him where your old life is buried and your new life is in Jesus. You want restoration, but you've got to go through the difficulty. And the hope and reality is that God will fulfill his promises. But you've got to be willing to trust it, even in the midst of difficulty. So as we get ready for communion this morning, as we get ready to have a conversation with Jesus, I just want you to reflect on this last slide and just ask the question, what is your next step that Jesus is inviting you into? And if you came this morning and you didn't receive the elements, but you want to take communion, you desire to take communion, if you want to raise your hand, these um, amazing servants would love to serve you. The elements of a piece of bread and a cup of juice, just raise your hand. And they would love to serve you. Keep it raised. I want to invite you to just have a conversation with Jesus about what is your next step in the midst of exile that we we feel like we're experiencing here in our community? And how can we live faithfully in the midst of Babylon around us? Let's spend some time with Jesus this morning.